Welcome to the Real Life Diabetes Podcast with today's guest whose motto is, yes, you can, Christina Laskarjova. If you're new to the show, welcome and thanks for stopping by. My name is Amber Kluwer and I enjoy sharing my story and those of other people living their best life with this disease and is the very reason I created the Diabetes Daily Grind and host this, the Real Life Diabetes Podcast. Christina was the perfect guest because she totally speaks my language. I dig that she sets her mind to something, makes it happen, while still recognizing sometimes you just need to take a step back. Her lofty list of accomplishments are inspiring people to pursue their dreams. Love it. But before we get started, I have a few quick announcements. Number one, this episode was brought to you by my friends at Real Good Foods. If you're someone like Christina or myself who like to eat healthy but are always on the go, Real Good Foods has got your back. You can find their delicious breakfast, lunch, and dinner options in stores across the country. And in case you didn't know, they are now a part of my affiliate page. So pop over to DiabetesDailyGrind.com to do a little shopping amongst other reputable brands that are making my life with diabetes an easier one. Number two, the Diabetes Daily Grind is a nonprofit organization. Funds raised help keep the website, podcast, and advocacy efforts afloat. It's easy. Just click on the donate link in the show notes. And finally, stay engaged. Love, like, share, and comment on all things social media. Sign up for the e-newsletter. Leave an iTunes review. Subscribe to the DDG YouTube channel and click on the Amazon banner on the website before ordering. It doesn't cost you a thing and there was a little change my way. All right, let's get started. All right, Christina, it's really nice to have you on the Real Life Diabetes Podcast. And I always start with, where are you calling in from? I am currently in London, United Kingdom. So I am, it's currently 9 p.m. over here, very, very different time zone. But yes, we are here from rainy summer London. Okay, well, I'm calling, I'm in Tulsa, Oklahoma this week. And so um, it's 3 p.m. here. It's 170 billion degrees. And I just left <laughs> the poolside to record this, which is awesome. So thank you for taking time, especially at 9 p.m. Because I know you have a very successful career. And we'll get into that here in a little bit. So let's start with, because everyone's diagnosis story is different. Let's talk about when you were first uh, diagnosed with type 1 diabetes. So I was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes at the age of three. So I would say I cannot remember too much about how, how this entire process happened. The entire process fell on the shoulders of my parents, which they, which they took on very, very well. I, I must say my mom has always been extremely cautious she, she always paid so much attention into into what is going on what is like she I think read all the books that were out there she she had like she knew everything in the subject like I think within one year she was could have become like a diabetes educator herself she herself and my dad they were always extremely I would always almost say passionate about my diabetes like it was never a challenge it was never something like to be scared of for them it was always just just a lifestyle that they needed to quickly learn because like they needed to quickly understand what was going on because obviously they had haven't had it so they just wanted to make sure that as I'm growing up I know what to do okay so let's go back a little bit so no family history of type 1 diabetes no family history okay so no family history and you didn't get a straight diagnosis right off the bat correct it took a couple of different hospital visits and things like that, right? Exactly, exactly. So my parents, so I've always been a very active child. 
my mom got suspicious at some point, like, why am I not so active? Why am I spending a bit more time, like, wanting to sleep? Why am I so, like, you know, just, like, not, yeah. not, not as usual. And, uh, like, the doctors couldn't understand what, what was going on. And because diabetes was not a thing in Hungary back then at all, or maybe nowhere. So it's then after, like, when things got really bad, my mom just said, you know what, like, having, being a doctor herself, she said, something is not okay because as a child I was drinking almost six liters of water per, per day. It was uh, absolutely, as they say, I was like, I got to a point where I just didn't want to wake up from the couch. So they just said like, you know, something must be, must be yeah. going on. And our family doctor decided to take this blood test and uh, my mom's worst nightmare got, came true because as I said, she, she, she's also a doctor. I, so yeah, so it turned out that I had diabetes and my blood sugar was a bit over 900 mg per deciliter. So crazy. I mean, your blood sugar can get that high. I mean, anywho, I'm glad that we can even know that, which exactly. sounds ridiculous. But I, when, when I was diagnosed a long time ago, it, I think if anything over 400 just read high, HI. Yeah. It's, it's so crazy to say. Anywho. Okay. So you're diagnosed and you were born in Hungary, correct? I was born in Hungary, yes. Okay, and so your first introduction to type 1 diabetes education was there. And do you feel like, well, yeah, walk me through that because I know in every country it's so different. And so I want to know, did you get proper education? Do you feel, I mean, at three, it doesn't really matter because your parents are going to manage your disease. But looking back, I mean, you didn't go home with a backpack. I'm sure you stayed in the hospital for a bit, right? Uh, from the stories I remember, yes. So I, I did have to stay in the hospital for some time for my blood sugar to to go down, but they said they managed it quite well, so I wasn't there for too long. And from there on, it was just my parents who educated me, really. So in, in, I'm not sure if they received a proper education by, back, uh, back at the times. So I was born and raised in Hungary, but my parents are Russian. And these two cultures are very similar in terms of like how they tackle diabetes, especially from my life, what I, what I hear from Russia. The culture is a little bit more closed or like it was for sure back then in terms of type 1 diabetes, people don't want to share it. Like it's, it's like, you know, it's like almost like a, some sort of a shame for you to have yeah. diabetes. So even if there are or were some sort of educational materials or educational courses, people just not really go there willingly because who wants to admit that their child has diabetes or like that, that's how it was perceived at the time. What year were you diagnosed? Well, at the age of three, so I guess it's like 2001. Okay. And so I say that because I'm very curious as if you're saying the culture at that time in Hungary was not, and in, in, in Russia as well, not to talk about type 1 diabetes. And, you know, in a lot of cultures, it's shameful. I mean, there, I can go round and round about that, but do you feel, and I don't know if this is a question you can answer at this point, but do you feel like now, you know, 20 years later, Hungary and Russia are, it's more, we're, we're talking about it. This is a hard question because, first of all, I'm now living in London, right. in where it's totally different. So I will get back to this later. But for what I know about for like Russian Hungarian cultures, is uh, I would hear stories where kids would go to schools in the morning, not inject for the entire day because like what their peers are going to say or like what their teachers are going to say and then come home with the blood sugars 
in their right. like yeah. yeah so it's uh, it's very sad unfortunately we still have these stereotypes going on furthermore if you see some someone in in one of those countries with a libra or with a dexcom and you just yeah. go there and say hey that's so cool i also yeah. have this <laughs> they would they would go no 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 like it's not like it's it's not this they would just like come up with certain stories because i guess parents just teach their, their kids to to say that yeah that's so crazy it's I, I love like now that we are wearing devices which i'm not happy or sad about necessarily but when you see somebody else wearing the device in the wild it's like they know what I'm what I'm going through, and it's like you you immediately. I was if you see somebody in the wild <laughs> that's type one, do you say anything? With, with type one, always. So if 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 I see someone with a Libra or with a Dexcom, I'm <laughs> this person who might even follow someone just to say, "Hey, me too!" <laughs> like, well done, like just just, just something cheerful, something. Yeah. I think I think it's all it's always very nice, but. It's also, especially now in summertime, it's quite funny to see how people, like some people would react or like how, how yeah. some people would just, would just see it, notice it. And, and then they would ask like, what is this? I was like, I would go, hey, I have type 1 diabetes. And somebody would answer me, oh, I thought you were trying to, kids, to quit smoking. <laughs> you know, those, are, those are those, those patches. I was like, no, that's absolutely not the case. <laughs> and I hear that often, which is hilarious, because I've seen nicotine patches, and they look nothing like an insulin pump. I mean, I, I guess, I, or you know, a Dexcom or Libre. Okay, and speaking of that, let's talk about, because I know it's so different in every country, what is your diabetes regimen? Like what devices do you use? What ins- you, you don't have to say insulins if you don't want to, but yeah. So what are you using? I use pens. I've never been on a pump before. I was, so I'm using a CGM for the past two years, which has really been like a huge game changer for me. Yeah. Like just to be being a more active person. Yeah. An absolute Honestly, I just felt like being one step closer to being like a more, being a bit freer person, normal person. Yes. (laughs) I got to say as somebody, and it's rare that I talk to somebody, especially in your age bracket, like I've never used an insulin pump. I've been on a CGM now, I think for four years. And just like you said, it's a game changer. It has given me so much more freedom, whether that's eating, exercising, I don't, there are no words. And so I know that you can just looking at your face and how you talk about it. It's definitely given you some, some freedom, freedom, I mean, period, especially in the industry that you're in. And I want to, I want to jump into, because I'm totally fascinated by what you've achieved in such a short period of, of time in life. I, I say that loosely. So, okay. So I'm a, I want to say to the listeners, so I had a t-shirt and jewelry design company forever. So, and I had ran a nonprofit arts organization that I founded for 10 plus years. So art, fashion, I was the only place in my community that allowed people from Parsons School of Design in New York to come to Oklahoma and do fashion shows. So I'm so passionate about fashion and all the things. So you are like a kind of a big deal. <laughs> You've won design competitions and things like that. So can we talk about your past? And then I want to talk about your current profession. Yes, of course. So I guess my dad has played a huge role in this. So he has always been like a truly, truly active person himself. And because of diabetes, he's always pushed me to be an active person myself. So since childhood, I've always been pursuing what I really wanted to do. And uh, first I began, like my first big, big idea was to become a world-renowned fashion designer. So I was absolutely so passionate about this. I, I would spend 
days in drawing studios uh, just to get into the best fashion university in the world, which is located here in the UK, which is basically why I'm here. And uh, after graduation, well, during uh, during my university years, yes, I did win fashion competitions. I won uh, this fashion competition was also in London. I, just being a girl from Hungary who's never been really abroad or like in such a big city, for me back then to be shortlisted was already a big thing. But then when I got shortlisted and came here and I won this competition, I I was absolutely, I think and until, until nowadays, it was one of the best of, days of my life. After that, that was 2016, right? So not too long ago. Yeah, well, yeah, like to me, it feels like quite some, <laughs> quite some time ago. But yes, yes, it was, it was approximately five years ago. After this, I still pursued my, of course, like I, I absolutely knew that fashion is my thing back at the time. So I still pursued my career, my dream to go to this university. And even though everybody was telling me that I have no chances, I did get in. So I did get into the, the university I wanted to. I did came, come here to London. Well, let's hold on. Like you're not even okay. So in in the midst of all that, didn't you start another company? E7. I started the company later. Later, okay. like it was after my fashion course. I did my fashion course. I was there in the in the university. I really, I was, I was really working to, towards going to. I was studying there for eight months. Then I decided that I cannot be there anymore. Designing is just not my thing. And I just told everyone, you know, like, I'm so sorry, but a girl imagined what designing is like. But then when you come to London and actually like do it, it's totally different. And I just understood it's not me. And then I went into Cat's Business School, which is, uh, I decided why not? Like, let's let's try the business side of things. Designing is not me, so maybe we can do something else. And that's when I started my company, which is called E77. And this was, uh, I was doing this uh, at the same time as I was doing my university. So I came up with the idea, our university supported us, like they gave us office space, they, in, like, they gave us some grants. I got a team together and we were working on like a food application which would allow you to order food cooked by your recipes in the restaurants that you go to so it's like a fully personalized like a, almost like a bespoke service like yeah which would help people like ourselves or anybody who is like really precise about the food that they eat i gotta say something to that really quick just because earlier today i was out shopping and whatever and i stopped by a very i'm not going to say the name but a very popular coffee drive through and I wanted this is totally ridiculous, but I wanted a decaf iced Americano with just a dab of cream. I'm just now getting back into coffee. I'm trying not to get all the caffeine. And she hands me the cup as I'm going through and it was like white. And I'm like, listen, I'm so sorry, but I can't drink this. That'll upset my stomach. I really just said like a, a dash of cream, not anywho. So they remade it and this young lady who was probably 16 was telling me about well, I go to, she was like, I'm very particular about my food too. And I'm like, oh, great. Now I'm that high maintenance person. <laughs> so I was like, I didn't, I thought a dash would be the right terminology. And she was like, I go to this grocery store because I know I'm going to get everything more. So it goes into this whole other conversation. I don't even mention diabetes, but it was one of those things. And so that's why I'm fascinated with what you 
created is because yes, some of us have dietary restrictions or we choose gluten-free and all these things. And so having something that makes our lives easier ordering or however it goes down is awesome. So continue with that. Sorry. Yes, but there are people like ourselves, and as you say, just like they're just people who are really precise about what they eat. And well, exactly. So after after this, after after my startup, I or even during my university years and during my startup years, I started on my book, which we which we will I guess discuss later on. But yes, you can. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. Because being here in London, I understood how willing are people to help each other so I was like I need to use this opportunity as long as I'm as soon as I'm a student as as long as I have some time okay so Uh, I want to mention one thing because in reading more about you and I will say to the listeners we had the privilege of chatting a a few months ago just to get to know each other because I like to get to know my guests and one of the things that I read about you it might have been in another diabetes related article was the fact that when you went in to talk about pitching this project as an entrepreneur you were teetering on a low blood sugar, correct? Yes, exactly. So while I was while I was doing my startup, there were a lot of so when you're a founder, you suddenly face so many different projects, tasks and obstacles which you've never ever faced before. So and one of those this kind of startup life really showed me that you know, diabetes is actually like not a joke. It is there and it is it is something I really need to learn to manage if I want to do anything in, in my life because it is there. It is it's part of me yeah. and it's, it's serious. And uh, yes, when I was pitching my startup and it was a quite an important pitch, uh, my, my blood sugar suddenly went really low. And at this point, I was unfortunately, so I was of course, not that much focusing on performing well. Yeah. I was just fo- focusing on finishing my performance in a fine manner, just to finish it. As soon as I managed, as soon as I finished, I just had to rush out and just like to get my supplies to, to have my food because at this point, our priorities shifts when, when our blood sugar is low. Like you just can't care about anything else like not not about your friends who are just like excited there and asking you like how did it go because from the outside nobody actually seen that something was not not that something was not okay it's it's only then after that when uh when i got off, off the stage and i went to see my friends they were like well, and the crazy thing about that too and reading that is i i mean i'm sure your adrenaline was high you know i mean like you're there's a lot of things going on. And for most people living with type 1 diabetes, and I'm not a medical professional, but when you're stressed, your blood sugar goes up. So the fact that yours was going down, I mean, there are so many other factors and we know that. And so I have to say, and I don't like to say that I like to keep my blood sugar high ever because I don't. But if I'm going into a situation where I'm going to present, I make sure that my blood sugar is like at 160 at least. Thank you to CGMs that you can see that and make sure that it's at least at that level because I know that if it starts to tick down, it's going to take a minute. And if it decides to go up, I'm still going to have time to react after I make the presentation. You know what I mean? So that you're not so high that you're brain fog, but you're not so low that you sound like you're intoxicated either. You know what I mean? Absolutely. I totally understand what you mean. And uh, this was actually one of the turning points where I decided to get the CGM. Okay. Yeah. At the time. And uh, actually, since I was, since my life got a bit more fast, fast-paced, that's when I actually decided to 
take it on to say, yes, I'm wearing this, but yeah. you know, it's going to help my life. And since then I haven't regretted it once. It's given you freedom. I mean, like we were saying earlier, it's given you the freedom Absolutely. to make whatever choices in that moment in your busy lifestyle. Absolutely. And yeah, so the, that, that was just one of those uh, moments where, where, where I realized and how important it is to take diabetes. And like, you know, just to be friends with diabetes when, when you're doing whatever, whatever you're pursuing. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's something that you have to think about no matter what. And one of the reasons I really, really wanted to interview you is, and I'm not all about ribbons and bows and butterflies kind of person, but I've not been Debbie Downer when it comes to living with this disease. And when there's hard times, of course, I address it and talk about it. And I'm thankful for the blog. But one of the reasons I wanted to interview you is because this book is exactly the mentality that I have that I and why I share stories like yours and all of the past guests is that diabetes has never kept me from anything. It's made me have to think about things differently and how I approach it. But I even contribute some of my diabetes management to me being an entrepreneur, knowing that I can do something, whatever it is, because if I can keep myself alive from the age of eight, I sure as hell can do X, Y, and Z. And I know some days that's different for everybody. So let's talk a little bit about this book because how long, when did it come out? It came out in February this year, just just before my birthday. That was my my small selfish goal. (laughs) This book has been written for the past four years, three and a half years. And uh, it it was a big project which was inspired by this shift of me coming from Hungary to the UK, mainly because in the Hungarian and Russian culture, I was was, like almost the only one who was always like, you know, like you can do whatever you want. Like, you know, not even having diabetes in mind or like whatever. It's it's like you deciding what you want to do. Like maybe, maybe it's a bit naive, but, but this is what I believe until nowadays. And especially when it comes to diabetes, it's like, if you believe it, like you, you, you can really do it. You can really manage it. You can really find the time. But back in Hungary, there were not really people who supported me on this, on this like notion, on this like mentality. Right. So I never really thought it's something that people would listen to. But then when I came to London and I saw that, whoa, there are actually like so many influencers. There are so many great people who achieve a lot of things and uh, achieve the best life they want. That, that's the most important thing, that live the life they want, that they live a fulfilled life, that they are enjoying their life. And I really thought that I need to create this international book, which would show not only those who, like, not only to those countries who yeah. are already in this mentality, but would show to other countries that people from all over the world actually think the same way, that Yes, you can. Yes, you can, despite having diabetes. So diabetes should not be an obstacle. Well, and I, I, like I said, I mirror that image in everything that I do and in my daily life. And I have learned and I've been reading, you know, and I like the fact that this book is not like there's a hardcore chapter that you have to start, do it from start to finish. And you explain that in the very beginning. And I appreciate that because my attention span is shoddy at best some days. So just reading a story or two or just, you know, finding, I just open it every once in a while and just, I'm like, oh my gosh, I didn't know that person had type 1 diabetes. And so now it's giving me a bigger, more global perspective and communicating with people. And I know that when I interview guests, I learn something about my own diabetes management. I learn from our peers. And so if you can touch on, you can say names if you want to, but some of the things that you learned in interviewing, how many people total were there? 17. 17. Okay. 
some key points or things that you learned in this, in the process of this book? I know that's a hard one because you think about all the, all the guests. Exactly. And it's also hard because everybody got diagnosed at a different time. Yeah. It's a totally everybody, different ballgame. Everybody, everybody got diagnosed and everybody has a different diabetes management and everybody is so international. Like it's, it's actually a very hard question. But I guess there are two, two main key learnings. One is from ladies from the USA who teach us mindfulness with diabetes to sometimes accept things as they are and not to beat yourself up, you know, yeah. like if, if something goes wrong, this is probably my weakest point yeah. that I like keeping things like I'm a very structured person, like things should, should, should go well, like no mistakes, like it, it should just be as planned. But when things don't go as planned, then I tend to either rush in my head or like just to not be proud of myself. But then, you know, like some of this research and some of this, these interviews, actually showed me that you know it's fine like everybody's having bad days even the best one so and since then a good message for all people diabetes or not it's okay to have a bad day it's you know no shame you know just things like that like we are so hard on ourselves or a lot of us are and especially when you're you're judged by a number your whole life whether so it's yeah keep going sorry okay what's the other thing that you this is, this is a very important thing that you said. This is about numbers. Like sometimes I just get caught up on, you know, like how many devices we have around ourselves. Yeah. And for us, it's even worse because these numbers, especially with the Dexcom, they come every five minutes, you yeah. know? So it's every five minutes we have our blood sugar. We can count our weight. Yeah. We can count our steps. We can count how fast we are. So sometimes this is just so much pressure that it's it's important to just take a step back and say. That's a, what, very well said. And I think that right now, like you were saying, we're all overwhelmed with numbers, but also technology. And at the same time, as we're praising the CGM, sometimes it's exhausting. Yeah. So, okay. So you've learned, and it seems so ridiculous that we have to say to one another that it's okay to be upset today, or it's okay to have a down day, like to give yourself the freedom or the forgiveness to do that. It's just crazy. So, and you are an insanely active person. So I want to go back a little bit to you. And I'm not, I mean, how to word this? You've played golf. You were a dancer. You went into the fashion industry and took that on full by the horns, full force. You're an entrepreneur. You're a writer now. I mean, you're a published author, which is incredible. Kudos on that. And so it's like, in addition to managing your own type 1 diabetes, which is a full-time job, and I think that really says to this sentiment and the title of your book, Yes, You Can. And I read some in something recently where you talk about when you go into a hard situation or something in the past, you find your moment of silence, which I'm the same way. I take a moment to meditate, gather my thoughts, and you say, yes, you can. So can you talk a little bit about your motivation there? And I'm hoping this will inspire other people. Just take a step back sometimes. Okay, so tell me the motivation for the, the motivation for the, the motivation for yeah, it's it's you know it's just something to think about. It's um, I am just sometimes feeling this internal energy to to do things. Like I'm just curious, you know. I am just curious about how things work, how life is, how how can I help other people? How can, uh, how can I contribute with all this? Like, what can I do with all this energy? Like, where can I actually put it? And I think for now, I'm just curious with finding myself, with yeah. finding my, 
I don't want to say the best things, the, the thing I'm best at, but probably the thing that I am best at and most convenient, not, not convenient, and most... Um, convenient would be great too. Let's not get ourselves. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, yes. What's your birthday? Birthday? Birthday. 18th of February. Okay. So you're not a Capricorn. No, I'm not. I'm an Aquarius. I'm a Capricorn and I'm so driven. It's like crushing at times. So when you, how you were talking about that, I totally get it. Yeah. We are actually quite close. So (laughs) yes, but uh, this also comes, you know, with, as you say, this usually those who are like really, really driven, like we sometimes forget exactly just to take, you know, this time off and like just say, well done, well done. So yesterday, just yesterday, I actually had my graduation from university. I was, I was doing my graduation online while sitting on a presentation at my work and, you know, I'm just living at the time. I was like, fine, like, you know, the graduation is not that important. But then I was like, after, after, after the presentation went through, everything was fine. And I was like, I've just graduated, actually. Like, you know, it, it, it might actually be a thing. Congratulations on that. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. And um, yes. Yeah, so your current career, because you're high, like the fast paced, you work for, who do you work for? <laughs> I work let's I will just say that I work for a very well-known higher more like more higher-end fashion brand yes yeah, I'm not going to say the name but let me say it's badass <laughs> <You're> <laughs> like, I'm this job. and the reason I bring that up is because with your fast-paced life and I don't I've never worked in the industry so I say that loosely do you pack a lunch I mean how do you make sure that your diabetes is taken care of when you're working a lot this is probably one of the biggest questions I have on a daily level of what <laughs> or how should I do. Yeah. I like to cook, but I would rarely cook my daily food. Like very honestly, not at this stage of my life, probably not in one. <laughs> I'm probably a bit too young for that, but at this point I'm just finding the best. I'm mingling with the local people in the area where I work with and they can guide me to the people who cook the freshest and most natural meals. Mm-hmm. And sometimes sometimes they would just cook their food for me by request or I like more simple food. I like knowing what I eat. So I'm just yeah. finding the best places in the area in terms of things that I see that are natural, that are easy to carb count, that actually made well and cooked yeah. well, and I can feel they are cooked well. So this is for now how, how I'm surviving my, my food, um, food questions. But Listen, if you find a place that you trust what they cook, you know that it's fresh and you, you have an idea of the carb count. Like I love, I frequent local places that I trust. I mean, that's, yeah. So there's no shame in that at all. Yeah. I even like just becoming friends with those people who are doing, who are, who are leading all those places because these are typically, you know, all the authentic restaurants. We, we have some amazing, all uh, Turkish, Italian, Lebanese people who are running all these places and they have the most wonderful way of preparing food. So, you know, it's like, it's also a great way to socialize. Well, and I think it's one of those things too, and I, I know there's a section in your book and I have not read it. I just came across it today about food and travel and things like that. So I think in years, I remember being introduced to Indian food for the first time and being overwhelmed by it because I didn't, this is before I was carb counting, but I was fearful of it. And so I think it's one of those things with, again, the, the, the topic, yes, you can. 
I challenge people often in the diabetes community, try something new, eat something that you don't 100% know the carb count. There are so many apps now that you can probably guesstimate to, to some degree, but I mean, I'm saying don't be fearful of trying a new food just because you don't know exactly what it is. Would you, do you feel like you live that at all or? I absolutely do, but I must admit it wouldn't be during a workday or during a fast-paced workday when I need to really like just know that my blood sugar will be okay. But if it's a dinner or if it's uh, on the weekend, I love experimenting with food. So as much as I'm curious about uh, what to do next or what what to work on next, as much as uh, the same curiosity comes through food. So, you know, if there are 10 things on the table, I know how those two are taste. I will first try everything else and then I will return to the first two if I know what it is. (laughs) Nice. Well, what I want to say too, because you touched on this a little bit and we'll start wrapping up, but your parents have been very instrumental in the beginning years, making sure that you had whatever you needed and whether it's educational materials or diabetes supplies. And they were a support team. Do you, do your parents, are they still engaged in your diabetes management? Do they ask questions? So they would love to be engaged. If, if, if it was, if it was their, their willingness, they would still love to, to take control of everything. But with time, I just had to make sure that, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's best, best on to myself. Yes, my parents are extremely caring and extremely loving parents. So this is, this is one thing I'm very, very successful and uh, lucky in this life in terms of like how, how much love myself and my brother received from my parents. And this is just not, uh, so it's persistent. It's not just occasional. It's, it's on a daily level. They are always there for me. They are always supporting me with any sort of devices. If I have any ideas or if I have any concerns, they will be the first ones to, you know, like you go change, of course, like they're always supporting me or with any idea that I have, it's also the most supporting parents ever. So they, even with the book, they were very happy for me to do this because they felt like, you know, they had this push in the beginning. Like they, 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 they gave me this training. So now I'm forwarding it. I'm like, well, maybe. But, and so here's, I'm going to ask a couple of questions that I'm now asking all guests moving forward. All right. So do you feel like you receive to date adequate diabetes education? And let me word that differently in that with new devices coming on the market, new insulins and things like that, do you feel like when you go and see your GP or your endocrinologist that they are sharing those things with you? Or is it, are you doing your own research and then coming to them? I must be honest, I'm doing my own research, then I'm asking my questions to them. Yes. So that's, that, that's rather how, how things are happening. And that's amazing. I think that's great. We are our own advocates. And if we don't, you know, if we're interested, we should, we should be doing our own research and because the medical community can't keep up. And I don't mean that disrespectfully at all. Do you in the UK, and I don't know, and I should have done my research, have access or do you have private insurance or is everything funded through the government? funded through the government so everything is i receive all my supplies very gratefully for free it's insane and i love that with that being said do you ever feel like you've been limited as to what you can use or have no not at all one one thing is that cgms here are prescribed to only very specific uh, groups of people so only for those who are not doing well with their management 
and my CGM is, uh, well, it's privately funded. I will, I will like openly say this, but yes, here in the UK, it's, uh, it's not that you just say you want a CGM and you I think it's crazy. Same with the pump. Same with the pump. Is that, and you know, when we talk about the system, whether that's in the UK, the United States, or in Australia, I hate the fact that if you are, you're, and I had to fight this when I got my first CGM, if your diabetes is well managed, if your A1C is at a certain level, you don't need the device. And I just want to shake all people, all government entities, or whomever is making those decisions, because if everyone who is diagnosed with diabetes type one or type two had a CGM, we wouldn't have so many complications. We wouldn't have so many hospitalizations and freak things. I mean, like, it's just a no brainer to me and it just makes me sick, but soapbox done. Okay. And I know the answer to this because we just talked about it, but one of the other questions I'm asking is, do you have access to healthy food? Because a lot of places in the country, in the world, excuse me, have food deserts where you really can't get a fresh vegetable within 30 miles or whatever. And that's just, I feel so bad for those people. So you've got tons of access. Yeah. Well, also, you know, like when you live <laughs> in a big, in a big city, in a, in a big populated city, it's, it's also a good question of like, what kind of veggies and fresh fruits you eat? I want to believe they are fresh and I want to believe they're good quality, you know, but I don't know what, like what's behind this entire thing, but okay. I would like to believe that. Yes. Okay. Do you have a farmer's market that you can go to? Oh, we do have quite a few markets here and we do have like he, here in London, we have quite a lot of these little veggie shops, you know, like okay. which are just there and you just go inside and like, you just pick the veggies that you want, the fruits that you want. They, and they are typically the nice ones. Yes. Okay. Okay, here's a random question. So I know that you said you like to cook. It's obviously not a part of your regular regimen right now, mainly because of your busy schedule. When you do cook, what do you like to cook? Oh, I love cooking veggies. So I'm a big veggie cooker in in different in different ways. So I just like in a very Russian way. I just like uh, pouring a lot of veggies together in the pan. Like for example, some tomatoes, aubergines, zucchinis, mushrooms put a lot of parsley and a lot of dill inside, just get it cooked. And, you know, like you would be surprised, but it's, but it ends up very nicely. But also I do cook a lot of meat, fish. When I have time to experiment, I would, I would go like, when I can, I always go for new recipes. Like I would, I would do some salmon with some white wine or just try cooking some new kind of lasagna or some try or try to go into some sort of, potatoes with, with chicken or potatoes with like, you know, like, or tofu. So I'm, I'm very flexible on these, but I love, I love experiments. Okay. So I have a challenge that I'm about to announce and you might be the first participant. So it's called the recipe. Roulette. So a lot, and I'm very thankful that a lot of people send me recipe cookbooks, but I've been collecting cookbooks for a while just because I enjoy, I do enjoy preparing food. I have my culinary partners in crime, which we used to cook together every week. With that being said is with this recipe roulette, I'm going to spin a wheel and it's going to tell you what cookbook I can pull from. You get, to, you get to pick the page and then I'm going to open it and you have to prepare that recipe. Would you be willing to do it? Yes, of course. Why not? And I will send you a picture of this recipe yeah. as soon as it's prepared. I will do it this weekend. Let's do that. <laughs> okay, I'll set up a time. Penelope will shoot you a time. So we'll, we'll do something like this and I'll spin the wheel. It'll be super simple and sweet, but yeah, I think it's a fun thing because I'm exhausted sometimes with looking at recipes or thinking about what's next and I can't cook everything that's in these cookbooks. So I think, you know, I'm going to stick my 
my type one diabetes friends on this and we'll see who likes what. And um, yeah. No, I love it. Let's do that. I'm all I love it too. Especially with everything you did with E77. And I want to just end with this because I like took so many notes in our original conversation. Is that something that's still going on happening? Is that a, a working deal? It's an ongoing deal, which is, um, existing while I'm gaining my experience at a bigger company because now at this point I just decided to offer university just to get some more experience in a big corporation to see what I'm aiming for where I want to take my company because so far I had no vision in terms of how things are working at a well-established company and I feel that it was a big disadvantage of mine comparing to my peers or comparing to other and I know by myself that I learn best by example so I need to see some sort of like how other people are working to see the goods and the bads and after that I am pretty sure I will return to this company and just like focus on this but right now right now in order to gain some experience I'm focusing 100% on the job that I have because it's already very demanding and in order to learn the most, I decided to, for some years, maybe one year or as long as it will take, I would just focus 100% and get my experience in there. Yeah, you have the dream job. I, don't, I know that's an outsider's perspective, but I, I, I know you'll do well in whatever position you are with them in that company. And I'm a firm believer that diabetes isn't going to keep you from doing anything whether that's in that company with future endeavors. And I, I feel like this is just the beginning, which is crazy to say how much you've accomplished. How old are you? Can I ask that? Roughly? I'm uh, 23. You're 23? Do you have any Christmas? Like you've done enough. Like there are 70 year olds who haven't done as much as you have. So I say that with kudos, keep up the good work. And you're an inspiration to a lot of people. And I'll be sure to include in the, in, in the show notes, if you're listening everything that we've talked about. So you can buy the book, you can follow her on all of the social media things and um, see what she's up to. So Christina, thank you so much for taking time. I'm glad we finally, and thank you for your patience with the summer life and actually having time to record a podcast. So thank you so much Amber, for having me. It was a great pleasure to meet you and to exchange our ideas about diabetes with you. There's so many ideas. And, I'm gonna, and let me say, yes, you can. This book and I love hardbacks. You can get it on Amazon. You can get it in, in, in a number of ways, but I'm picking this up daily. So thank you for putting out inspirational, real information from people who actually get it. So yeah, well, please stay in touch. I will, I'll be in touch with you soon about the rest. Oh, of the definitely. Recipe. And also we still need to do the recipe. So like, don't yeah. forget. It. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much, Amber. All right. Have a good week. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. Well, I don't foresee myself going to the UK anytime soon, but when I do, I plan to visit the list of local restaurants Christina frequents. And be sure to stay tuned because I will soon spin the recipe roulette wheel, it's a mouthful, to see what masterpiece she will have to create. Good times and hopefully great food. Before I wrap up, I have a few quick reminders. Number one, this episode was brought to you by Real Good Foods, who have a ton of delicious healthy options that can be found in grocery stores across the country. You can also have everything delivered to your door by ordering on my affiliate page at diabetesdailygrind.com. Number two, I know you're listening and thank you. So be kind and throw a little change my way. Funds raised help keep the website, podcast, and advocacy efforts afloat. And finally, I'm here for my diabetes and the medical community. 
So feel free to contact me on any social media platform or directly at amber at diabetesdailygrind.com. Your continued support and love are the reason I keep the episodes coming. Cheers to the highs and lows, everyone. <laughs>